The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we posted the first half of a sermon entitled, The Purpose of the Gospel. We began by looking at the finished work of Christ on the cross. Only Christ could put away sins, and he completely did that on the cross. So what does the gospel do? According to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, the gospel delivers us from the fear of death. You see, we've been delivered from death by Christ's sacrifice, but it's the gospel that gives us that assurance. Gospel does not save us eternally, but it delivers us in a timely fashion. Join us as we conclude this message entitled, The Purpose of the Gospel. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. I know that I
But once you've been given life, okay, once you've been, uh, once you've been born of the Spirit, what next? What next? Well, some say that every single one that is born again, before they're born again, they will hear the gospel and be obedient to it. But you know, that's not what my Bible says. That's not what um, we read in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, to get the context, it says, What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much, Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. The, the writings of the Old Testament were given to the Jews. But then look at verse 3. He asks a question. Because this was prevalent in the time of the writing of Romans. In the time of the writing of Romans, remember Paul had, had been preaching to the Jews. Paul had, in the book of Acts says, I'm preaching to you Jews in the 13th chapter. And then again in the end of the, cha- of the uh, book of Acts, uh, he says to them, seeing ye judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Now that doesn't mean that they weren't going to have eternal life. You notice he didn't say that God has judged you unworthy of eternal life because if, uh, if he was saying that, then everybody would be unworthy. But he was saying, you, you Jews here that I'm preaching to, you're judging yourselves. You're not wanting to hear what I have to say. You're rejecting my message. So we're going to turn to the Gentiles and preach it. And now here's the question. What if some did not believe? Well, that was clearly happening in the day that Paul was preaching. There were some he was preaching to that wouldn't have it. There were some he was preaching to that didn't want it. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? What faith of God is he talking about? He, he, he tells us in uh, over in one of the Psalms, and I believe it's the 89th Psalm, but I don't hold me to that. I believe that's where it is, where he says that, uh, uh, talking about the seed of David, he said, if, if they forsake my way, if they don't do what I say, basically, he said, then I'll, I'll, I'll rain down some judgment upon them in this life. He said, yet will I not suffer my faithfulness to fail. The faithfulness of God is without any conditions, is without any ending. It does not, it is not affected by what you do. I'm thankful for that. Now, there's some things that you can do in this life that will cause the chastening of God to come upon you. You know, you can stay away from church and never again receive a blessing from the assembled body or the preaching of the Word of God. You can do that. You can, you can, you can uh, go out and live in a way that is not pleasing to God and you can expect trouble in your life. But guess what? The faithfulness of God and His eternal salvation will not fail. You see, what if you don't believe? You know what the world's answer to that is? You're going to bust hell wide open. (laughs) That's what the world says. If you don't believe, if you're not a believer, you're going to hell. Notice what the answer Paul gives is. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. God forbid. I'm so glad to hear that. Because you know what? I hate to admit this, but probably the majority of every day of my life, I'm an unbeliever. So wait a minute, Brother Chris. You believe the gospel. You believe the truth of grace. You believe the faithfulness. You believe all these things you're preaching, don't you? I do believe them, but I don't act like it. I don't act like it. You had any worries this week? You've been worried about anything? You've been angry about anything? Not working out the way it should have? The way you thought it should have? You've been concerned about problems? You've been down and out? You've been, uh, uh, you've been completely uh, 
focused on your own things, well, guess what? And in, in as much as you are uh, not trusting in God, you're an unbeliever. Right. You're an unbeliever, you see. And what he's saying here is, is that what if some did not believe? Now here particularly he's talking about believing the gospel. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. I'm thankful God is true even when men are not faithful to him. God is faithful to them. So what he's saying here is this. There's a place for the exercise of our will in the belief of God's word. It's not a place that's going to get us to heaven. He goes on and deals with that actually in the 10th chapter of Romans. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but you remember what he said there. He said, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And of course, as we always say, you need to ask the question, saved from what? Whenever you see that word saved, he said, for I bear them record, they have a zeal of God. It's a zeal from God. It's a zeal uh, for him and of him, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They haven't believed. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So we started out this saying there's a work that's God's. And then there's a work that's the gospel. So let's talk about that for just a few minutes. Going back to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. For as much then... As the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I believe here in verse 15 we find the work of the gospel. The work of the gospel. See, notice that verse 14 is over. He has destroyed him that has the power of death. He's destroyed death itself. He's put it out of business. But in our lives, you know, he could have done that and never told us about it. Right. He could have done that and, and then gone back to heaven and left us to wander and to struggle. And everyone that's ever born again is going to have that struggle. I said this morning that there are those that have been born of the Spirit. The, the voice of the Son of God has spoken to them. And due to their circumstances, geographically, where they're born, where they live, maybe, maybe where they grew up, maybe it's even in this country, but maybe it's somewhere overseas. Due to their circumstances, they may never hear that voice. Again, you know, I hear that voice when I read the Word of God. When I come here and I hear Brother Buddy and Brother John Morgan and others preaching the Word of God, I hear that voice again. It resonates with me. I'm like the man that came in uh, to the assembly where they were prophesying, and I'm judged of all. I'm convinced of all. And I can fall down on my knees and say that God is with you of a truth, you see, because it resonates with me. But there are those that may never hear that, may not have heard that all their lives. God could have gone back to heaven and left us here to wander and to search for that. But praise God, He gave us the good news of the gospel of the grace of God to share with people. Why? So that we can be delivered from the fear of death. Amen. That's a bondage. You know that? Amen. Being in fear of death is a bondage. Yes, yes. You know, some are in fear. And I, I believe the fear of death is talking about here is the fear of really of what happens after death. <laughs> right. That's really what he's talking about. Not, not so much 
uh, not so much the, the fear of dying, the physical dying process, but what happens after death. I was, re- I was listening to a, a, a couple of different times to some of these modern astronomers and philosophers. You know, you've heard me mention Carl Sagan before, who was an atheist. And uh, when he died, his widow put out this statement that we don't ever expect to be reunited. We don't believe there's anything after death. There's another astronomer uh, uh, who is, uh, uh, if I called his name, you know it, but he was on an interview about the afterlife and his view of the afterlife was he believes we go on living in the sense that the energy in our bodies dissipates and just goes back out into the space out there. You know, He said, so in that sense, we're immortal. You know, And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, what if I got up here and preached that to y'all today? Guys, listen, when you die and your body's laid in the ground, all the energy among your cells and your neurons and taxons and your mitochondria and all that stuff in your body, guess what? It just kind of goes up into the air. <laughs> Go home and have a good time thinking about that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Wow. I mean, really. Can you imagine how? See, that's a fear of death. If I thought it was all over, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the age where I'm, I'm nearly 51 years old. And I'm thinking about things that, uh, and, and Lorraine's shaking her head. <laughs> she in disgust looking at me. But I'm thinking of things, you know, uh, I can't do. I haven't gotten some things done that I wanted to get done yet in my life. And, and I just don't have a whole lot of time left, you know. Things are just kind of, uh, they're not winding up anymore for me. They're winding down, you know. So, so I'm sitting here thinking if all I had to look forward to is what I see before me in this life, I'd have a real fear of death. Yeah, that's right. Plus, if I didn't know the good news that Jesus had put away my sins, Amen. when I look at my life, and I realize what a sinner, not just what in theory I am. Let's, let's put that aside. I know what the Bible says. Oh, yes, I'm dead in trespasses and sins. No, let me tell you something. I really am dead in trespasses and sins. Okay? Think about it now. I get, understand what I'm saying. The Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins. You know, we could just spit that out and say, yeah, we're dead. And, oh, poor, pitiful us. We're all dead. No, listen. You really are dead in trespasses and sin in your flesh. Yeah. You really were. Your flesh really is bad, okay? You really are not just a, you're not just somebody that's disappointed God. In your flesh, you're an enemy of God. Right. And even if you've been born again, well, I say especially if you've been born again, because when you're born again, you're going to struggle with it. But even if you've been born again, I, I, I've got to believe that the majority of the time what you do is violate God's law. I, I don't believe I can sit here and tell you. I know I can't sit here and tell you that, well, you know, 51% of the time I'm a pretty good guy. 49% is when I mess up. See, that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to, they want, most of the teaching out there is just do a little bit more good than bad. And then when you get weighed in the balance, you'll get, the, you'll get an entry key into heaven. Yeah. You know? But what the truth is, if you examine your life, let's not think about it in theory, all God's people are dead. Think about you yourself. You are dead in your natural state. You're a sinner. Every single act of righteousness you do. Now, I'm talking about me too here, okay? 
Every single act of righteousness you do is tainted with the sin of Adam. You've never been sincere in your life. You haven't. I, I know I, there's, I'm more sincere sometimes than others, but I've never really been sincere my whole life. Because I'm always looking out for me. I've always got some angle. You've always got something in your mind that is, uh, that is impure and self-focused. See, you think about if we didn't know the good news that Christ has saved His people from their sins. What a struggle we'd have in this life. But you see, this is what we're talking about here. He says, Christ came to destroy death, but He didn't stop there. He also came to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And that's what precipitates somebody to come to me as a preacher or a brother buddy or, or just to one another and say, hey, I want you to tell him the good news. I want you to tell him the good news. I know what Christ has done for him, but I want this friend of mine to hear it because I believe my friend is a child of God. You know, the purpose of most preaching in the world today is to try to, try to get somebody saved for eternal heaven. And when you're doing that, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go to him and say, listen, did you know you're going to hell unless you make a choice? Yeah, right. <laughs> Boy, that's, uh, whew, that's, that's something, isn't it? Yeah. There's nothing scary about the gospel. No. There's nothing scary about the good news. See, that's not good news. That's bad news. That's right. yeah. Yeah. You see, when you, go, when you know the good news, you can sit down with somebody and you can say, hey, tell me what's troubling you. I just, I've had the, you know, I've had this burden. I've had this conviction that I feel like I'm, and everybody tells me I've got to do something. What, well, let me, you know what you can then do? You can say, let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done. In fact, I've used this very, these very verses before and said, let me tell you what he's done. He's destroyed death. And now you need to be delivered from the fear of death by understanding what Jesus did on the cross. In Isaiah chapter 40, I told you Isaiah is such a sweet book because it mirrors the rest of the Bible. Chapters 38 and 39 talk about these bad things that are coming. And then chapter 40 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Well, how are, okay, Mr. Isaiah, how, how are we going to comfort? What are we going to do? Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her warfare is accomplished. That, that warfare being accomplished, that phrase gives the idea of your term of military service is over. Mm-hmm. It, that's what he's talking about there. See, you've been serving, okay? And up to this point, up to the time of Christ, all those Old Testament saints had been laboring, not fully understanding what was going to happen when the, when the perfect Lamb of God came. Some of them didn't even really understand what they were writing, I believe, Brother Buddy. They didn't really get it. I don't know that Isaiah understood it all. But when the, when the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the... Can you, can you imagine... Remember, John the Baptist was a Jew. John the Baptist 
probably was in that sect of Essenes out there that were, but maybe not. They were kind of a, a wilderness sect out there. They, they moved out in the wilderness. They, you know, John the Baptist was a weird looking guy. I mean, just really, he was dressed in camel's hair said, let's go eat supper with John the Baptist, okay? We're going to have locusts and wild honey. <laughs> That's what we're going to eat. I'm not going to eat with him very much because I don't believe I could live with that. But he, uh, he's going, he's, he's a strange guy, and he's only got the Old Testament. But now John the Baptist knew something was coming. He was the voice, as he's, we're about to read about it here, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. He had more light than any others did. And the Lord had told him, said, there's going to be a, a man coming one day. He's going to show up and the spirit, my spirit's going to descend upon him like a dove. Uh, and, uh, and he said, he saw Jesus that day. And it was like the, it was like the pinnacle of all the old Testament teaching. He said, behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. Oh, what a triumph. That was like, that was a Jubilee trumpet right there, brother. <laughs> That was a jubilee trumpet. That's, that's, his great, that's more glorious than the man who was blowing that 50-year jubilee trumpet, uh, uh, knowing that his whole family and all those that had been in bondage were about to be freed. John the Baptist was blowing the gospel trumpet right there. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. <laughs> See, something was coming. They'd been in warfare. They'd been serving this military service up to this point, and now it's accomplished. Yeah. And the iniquity is pardoned. <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The world of his people, all their iniquities were taken away. And then look at this. I love this. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, I struggled with that a little bit. Uh, at one time I did some reading with some, some of the uh, commentators, and I didn't really feel satisfied with anything they said. But I want to tell you what I believe this is talking about. It says that they've received double for all her sin, all their sins. You know, it's a glorious thing to be forgiven a debt, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? You owe a million dollars, and somebody comes along and says, it's forgiven. But you know, if I owe a million dollars, I'm probably still clothed in rags, and I'm probably still wandering the streets because I don't have anything. And it's wonderful to have the debt forgiven, but I still don't have anything. But you know what happened to the Lord's people? Not only was their debt forgiven, not only were they pardoned of all of their iniquities, but they received double. They got the pardoning and the debt forgiveness, and then we're made fellow citizens with the saints. Mm -hmm. We've been given not just, you know, we could have been our debt forgiven, okay, you're forgiven, now go on. Leave me alone. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Lord said, is it? You know, you remember the prodigal son? <laughs> I love that story. He says, he came to himself, and that's not a story of the new birth and the forgiveness of sins. I understand that. But, but think about this in terms of what we have in Christ, okay? He said, how many servants, hired servants of my fathers have enough and to spare? And I'm down here, eating husks or trying to eat husks with the pigs. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to tell, I'm paraphrasing, you can read it in the 15th chapter of Luke sometime. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to tell my father, Father, just make me a hired servant. Just, just, just let me be. You know, I, I've, I've sinned against you. I'm sorry. Just let me be a hired servant. Let, let me, let's turn over there. You've got you, you to read this with me because this is so good. This is so sweet. In Luke 15, 
Verse 18, just to get it right, he said, I'll arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Yes, exactly where we are. We're not worthy to be called the sons of God. So he came, we're told, verse 20, he went there and we saw where the father ran to him. In verse 21, he starts his speech. He says, Son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But I want you to notice the father interrupts him here. He doesn't let him get to that part about just let me be like a hired servant. But the father said to his servants, You bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. See, that's the double for our sins. You understand? We've been forgiven. But we've not just been forgiven. We've been placed in a position of sonship. You know, He could have forgiven us and we could continue wandering destitute and empty here in this world. But He placed us, He took us from that and He put us up in a place where we can enjoy tonight. We can enjoy this morning. We can enjoy the fellowship. We can enjoy things in this world. And not only this, we're fellow citizens with the saints. Our citizenship is in heaven now. Praise God for that. And that's the good news. And when I hear that, even though I deserve death, even though I'm in fear of death, because in my flesh, I know that after death, there's something horrible waiting for me, or should be. Now that I've been born of the Spirit, now that I have that struggle within me, Rather than wandering through this life in a fear of death and therefore in bondage, I'm able to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom here and now. How is that? Through the gospel. Mm -hmm. Through the gospel. The gospel doesn't born us again. The gospel didn't put away one sin. We didn't believe our redemption into existence. But when we believe, we were able to leave the bondage and to lay it aside and go back to the Father's house and enjoy not just being a hired servant, but being a prince before God. Mm-hmm. And that's the purpose of the gospel. That's why when somebody asks you, that's what you tell them when somebody asks you to share the good news. That's why we need the good news, the gospel of the glorious grace of God. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.